Hi, and welcome to this next installment of our favorite podcast, Your House, Your Home, which is our attempt to take subjects about your house and how to further them and turn them into things that you can make your house into your home and make it better for the long term. So everything that we say on the program is the opinions of your hosts and my two compadres in crime and we do not have any advertisers for this show so if we use somebody in particular we talk about something in particular that's just our opinion and there's no recommendation so with that i think it's time to get started so with that i'm gonna say hello tracy wiggins with alamo real pro how are you today i'm doing great paul how are you doing i am good you know and i realized this back a while back i always forget to introduce myself you do yeah and so i well great minds everybody should just know who you are well you know the appliance mogul of south texas right as as it's said but i'm paul berry with mr appliance and uh tracy welcome and uh happy to be here yeah yeah, wonderful (laughs) everything's everything's good in your world yep great day in san antonio i'm not in france today so awesome great day in san antonio katie ross with remax associates how are you today i'm great Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Have you all got your, and if you're listening to the show sometime in the future, we're doing this uh, just a little before Christmas. So in my asking of Katie, do you have all of your Christmas shopping done? You now understand why. I have a lot of it done. I have a very little bit of it wrapped. Very little. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. What about you? I think I have a majority of it done, but when Jillian said... 10 days till Christmas. I thought, oh gosh, yeah, yeah. <gasps> 10 days till Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a special guest with us today. Uh, she is going to give us all sorts of information about uh, the financial side of your home and how to keep it your home. Uh, we have with us today Tammy Solomine, who is the branch director for Upstream Investment Partners here in San Antonio. And I have known her for quite a few years now. And uh, this this podcast is a little different than we've had in the past in the in that some of the things that Tammy talks about uh, can be uh, illegal in nature. So I want to first read off that securities offered through the Sigma Financial Corporation, which is a member of the FINRC, excuse me, FINRA slash SIPC is investment advisory services offered through the Sigma Planning Corporation, a registered investment advisor. Upstream Investment Partners is independently owned and operated. And with that, I would like to say welcome to Tammy. How are you today? Thank you, Paul. Happy to be here. Wonderful. We have had in the past people who talk about, uh, you know, different things about uh, the home, how to turn your house into your home. And I think this is one that I'm really going to be interested to hear what you have to say, because it has to do with the financial side of a, of a home. Uh, the home, uh, the cliche is that it's the biggest investment that you'll make in your lifetime, uh, which I'm sure Katie would agree is true. Most of the time, yes. And that, uh, you know, there's different ways to invest. You know, you have your, some people just have a single home and then other people have, uh, you know, multiple homes or they have investment properties. But for the most part, unless otherwise noted today, I think we'll consider all of our conversation about a house that is your home, which is your main dwelling, uh, your main location. So uh, with that... 
I guess I'm going to, unlike in the past, I'm going to kick it off to somebody else. One of you two ladies asked the first question. I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Tammy, how much house can people like truly afford or how, how do, how do you know how much they can truly afford? So, and just in case you you needed to know this, Oh yeah. Tracy is our multimillionaire Mm -hmm. who lives in a multimillion dollar house. Yes. And you know, goes to the South of France regularly, regularly. Yeah. Just to have baguettes in case you're wondering. Yeah. She takes her corporate plane to do that. So, That is good information to have. She needs to be your client, right? She is her client, and that came as a big surprise. Wow, I overlooked some things. So um, so when when you're talking about how much house you can afford, it all goes back to budgeting. Um, You you want to, before you even start shopping for a home, you want to make sure that you have a budget in place and you know how much you can afford um and because when you go to a lender typically it's been my experience personal and then with with clients is that you know sometimes you can get approved for a lot more house than you can actually afford and so what i like to um you know educate my clients on is is being sure that you live within your means um just because you're approved for a a $400,000 home doesn't mean that you need to go out and purchase a $400,000 home. That's Um, where I made the mistake. (laughs) See, Paul? Yeah. Called me. (laughs) Um, No, so, but, you know, I mean, and and sometimes, um, you know, people look at their home as, like you said, Paul, an investment, and so they're okay with with putting a little bit more money into it. Um, But things come up in life, and and we own homes for a long time, and you just want to be sure that, you know, you're able to navigate those pitfalls um, and also not get behind on on your mortgage. Um, So that kind of – that help answer the question? Yeah, I've always commented or recommended to my clients to – not become house poor. I want them to be able to go shopping. I want them to be able to travel, go to the movies, go out to eat. So I don't want them to feel like they have to write that check every month and they're strapped from that and can't afford to go do life, right? Like it's not comfortable to live at that point. And a lot of times when you're looking at what a lender will approve you for, it's the point of you can pay for groceries and you can pay utilities and that's it. Right. And that number looks awfully big to a lot of people so just know that budgets are very important i agree they are and i see it more with uh first-time home buyers yeah um overextending themselves a little bit maybe buying more house because they're really excited it's their first house and they're not thinking and a lot of times they're younger Mm -hmm. so they're not really thinking about you know retirement and other um factor you know budgeting factors down the road that maybe they're not um, implementing at that time sure right so kind of along that line is it the rule of thumb that you theoretically want to have or should have your house paid off by the time you want to retire um that's definitely a, a a goal that that i think um all retirees should have it's just one less 
um, item that you have, you know, a cash, cash, you have more cash flow um, doing it that way. But it's not, it's not necessary. It, de- it depends on a lot of other factors. Um, you know, if you have a, a significant amount of assets that you've saved along the way, maybe you've put more into your 401k instead of paying down your house, um, you may have a bigger pool of money by which to pull income from. So having a house note really is not a problem. Well, and we've talked about in here, some people retire from the military after 20 years yep. and have a retirement, and then they retire from another company and yep. have a pension and have a, another company and have a different retirement or the state or, you know, whatever government. And so depending on how much your cash flow is depends mm-hmm. on what you want to do with it each month. And if not paying off your house is what you want to do, that's okay. And that's why um, it is, <clears throat> I cannot stress enough, uh, the importance of working with a financial advisor right. because you have got to have all of that laid out in a in a written plan. It's not it's not in writing. It's what it's a wish exactly. So um, you want to you want to have it written down. You want to know exactly where you stand not today but in future um, years. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I know in terms of retirement, uh, I think a lot of people use their home or they're thinking of their home that they'll have that asset at the end, uh, you know, or when they go to retire. Uh, and that's why I was asking the question about, you know, do most people, is that their kind of generic thing is that they want the house paid off so that they can use that as kind of a, a, an amount of money that they might be able to access once they plan to retire. Sometimes <clears throat> it just depends. Every situation's different. Um, but, you know, a, a hard asset, an illiquid asset, such as your, your home, you know, you've got to have a place to live. Um, it's it's kind of hard to turn, turn that into an income stream. Um, first, I mean, you, you really just have to sell and, mm-hmm. and use the proceeds to, to fund. But I have <clears throat> seen clients, uh, you know, d- make a decision to sell their home, um, and it was paid for, and use the proceeds from that to cover the cost of things like long-term care, uh, nursing home, and, and but that's at a point in time in their life when they don't need their primary residence anymore. Okay. When living on their own may not be an option. It's not an option at that point. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. So how should your lifestyle affect your decision when you're purchasing a home? So um, <clears throat> everyone has different tastes. And, um, you know, what may seem like a, an extravagant home to one person may seem very simple to another. And so I would, I, you know, think about what you do on a daily basis and, and your your family and maybe your future family. Maybe you haven't started a family yet, but you're thinking about starting a family. Um, blended families, um, you know, it's a really, you know, uh, something people don't necessarily think about. Um and what's going to be incorporated in, in providing enough room for everyone. So if you're a young couple starting out and you want to have, your goal is to have three or four children, you want to be sure that you're purchasing a home that accommodates enough space, right, for, so that you're not on top of each other and you don't grow out of it too quickly and then not be able to capture a gain from the sure. sale of that home to, you, you know how the, the it works. You know, you, you want to go, go up the, to the next level, right? right? So th- those are things that, that I, you know, take into consideration. When when we bought our first home, um, I the big factor for us was the school mm-hmm. that both kids were really young and so being 
right around the corner from the elementary school was huge. They could I, I worked full time, he worked full time. So being able to walk to school was a was a big deal. Being able to walk home was a big deal. So I mean it's just you just kinda have to sit down and, and think about logistics. I think another thing that comes up quite often these days is multi generational living. So True. if you have parents that at some point may live with you, that's also a consideration that either they may purchase a home close to you, or they may actually live in the house with you. And I think a lot of builders, especially in our area, are coming up with ideas of a mother-in-law suite downstairs yep. or a casita or something. Casita is a small house or a little mm-hmm. bungalow apartment kind of place um, so that there's a place for them, yep. right? And I'm, I'm seeing a lot of that in my practice. Yes. So <clears throat> um, for, for two reasons. One, uh, uh, in-home health care or nursing home care or, you know, uh, any type of assisted living, is it can be really expensive. Right. And sometimes it's cheaper um, if you have the means to pro- actually be, pro- be the provider of that care to have mom, you know, in a casita or downstairs in a separate part of the home. Yeah. Right. I know that... Uh that's very or that very thing is happening now in in our neighborhood uh somebody just put out you know looking for recommendations of a builder or a general contractor that could do exactly that they specifically stated that they needed a mother-in-law's quarters either added to the existing house or built separately on on the property you know so i think that's something that and even now you know with all the changes i'm not saying in direct correlation to covid but some of the things that I've seen in the last year about how people's mindsets and their ideas uh, having to do with COVID, there's so much more that's done now in the home as opposed to what used to be done outside the home, uh, and people are getting more comfortable with that. I think that's probably why they're looking at doing that is it's, you know, it, people can relate to it a bit more, I think. The trend for the last few years has been – Tiny homes, downsizing, Mm -hmm. I want smaller, I want less, I want to get rid of, I want to be a minimalist. And the projections for the future due to COVID, uh, with a lot of people moving home to work now, is I want defined spaces, I don't want as open of a floor plan, I want a larger house, I need space for everybody to be able to have their own school and room Mm -hmm. and space to entertain the family. Right. But everybody is not on top of each other in one open space. Yep. And you, you touch on a really strong point and that is, um, homeschooling and ho- homeschooling has become, was, was up and coming. Yeah. But, but now since we've had COVID, um, I have a lot of clients and friends that are homeschooling their children. And to your point that defines space. So be thinking about that as you start looking for, for home. Right. What if um, your lifestyle were to change suddenly or significantly? I mean, we're talking about COVID, we're talking about uh, changes, but I know there's more than just that that would change significantly. What do you suggest? Well, I mean, sometimes you may find yourself in a situation where you thought that was going to be your forever home. And um, you guys... Uh, no, no people that have been in the situation before. Um, you, it, it's not your forever home because things things change. You know, you have an elderly parent that now needs your care, um, <clears throat> doesn't have the means to to be 
provided that care, you know, at a assisted living or something. So you, some someone comes home, you know, it, it, grown children tend to move back home from time to time. Um, uh oh, yeah, <laughs> get ready. <laughs> it happens. Um, They're called and, boomerangs. Yeah. And so you just, you know, I think to be able to pivot and to have a good relationship with the realtor um, that can help you, you know, make those changes and and get into another piece of property that better suits your needs at that time, I think those are those are pretty important. Well, and there's the average American family lives in their house five to seven years. Yeah. So even if you think it's your forever home, chances are something could change, whether... Right. It's, you know, death, divorce, accidents, whatever it is, there can be things that change what your intent was when you purchased. Yeah. And, and you know, job transfer. Sure. You know, that's a huge, huge right. uh, uh, change, right? So now you're going to be living in, you know, Michigan versus Texas and you need to, to make that change. So there's a lot of things that can come. You just, you know, need to have the right relationships with the right people to help. Got, be guided through that. You also touched on schools. That's the number one resale factor. Oh. So always be cognizant, even if you don't have school-aged children in your household, always be cognizant of what school district you're purchasing in and the ratings of those school districts. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see where that would be important. I'm uh, just curious that if something like that came up, and again, I'm what ifing this, so please, if if you're not able to answer, say so. But if someone were to find out that due to COVID or whatever the situation was, all of a sudden they're going to be moving to another state and they're going to be selling their current home, from an investment standpoint and wealth management in what you do, and I'm just going to use round numbers here. Let's just say that they've had this house for 20 years and they're going to walk away with about $250,000 in equity in this house. From from your standpoint, is it you know is there a rule of thumb about what you tell your people? Should you invest all of that 250000 in the new house that they're going to be purchasing? Or are there other opportunities to do things with that money? Uh, or does it kind of go back to what you were talking about earlier? You know, what can you afford? Well, it, it, it depends. Um, if they're moving into a higher level of, um, you know, an, an area that costs more, so maybe they can get, you know, less house, uh, but they have to pay and, and they have to pay more. It just, it, it depends on what, you know, what, what they're going from and, and to, you know, different areas of the, the country, uh, yeah. cost di- different, my home hometown of, of Lufkin, I can get, you know, eight acres and, a you know, a, a four bedroom house, four bedroom, three bath home for around $200,000. You, you try to buy something like that in San Antonio for 200 grand. And, and it's you just have to go at least an hour outside of San Antonio. You're not right. going to be in if, San Antonio. If you're lucky, yeah. right. And there's no chance you're getting it for 200. Right, right. Right. So it depends on what part of the world, but really Paul, it goes back to planning and having um, a, a financial plan in place so that when those what if scenarios pop up, you plug them into the plan and you see what the numbers uh, reflect. And we, Go back to repair cost. 
And what if you buy a fixer upper? Like those all need to be in your plan, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so fixer how much ups. is it going to cost? What's your renovation expense? And yeah. always. I mean, we've talked in the past and kind of the big thing right now is all the people exiting uh, California and, you know, they're selling their little 700 square foot house for a million five. Calitexans, yes. Yeah. And I'm, I haven't really thought about it until just now when Tammy was talking about it, but wow, just think if the reverse was there, right. you, you have to, you know, you're moving from here, your company requires you to move to San Francisco or somewhere in California and you sell, a, you know, a home that you've had for 20 years and you think, wow, you know, we got $400,000 for this house. You know, that's, that's amazing. But then you try and go buy an equivalent one in California, and you're going to be short a million dollars. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're going to need one point four. Yeah, yeah. you're going to live in a box. Right. Yeah. Right. So that I mean, that's that's just crazy. Uh, you know, it, it, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I know this is what ifing it, but gosh, what a decision to have to make is it's like I, you know, can't afford to do that. I can't move there. My no. understanding is some of the banks in California used to have 50-year terms so that people could oh, afford. Wow. Oh, right. no way. That's my understanding. I, you know, I don't practice there. I don't yeah. know for sure, but that's what I've been told. Crazy. 50-year hard, terms. Hard to, to plan 50 years out. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. I mean, that's just like now I cringe when I hear about, you know, six- and seven-year car loans. Right. I Do I sound like that. my parents? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I paid as much for that car as I did for my first house. You know, <laughs> you know and so and it's true. No, it, it, well, yeah, yeah, it's. It, I, I when we bought our truck a year ago, I laughed and I told Pam that we paid more for the truck than I paid for the first house, and then I immediately said, "Oh, I sound like my parents." <laughs> you know? We turn into our parents. Yeah, but I will say the right time to invest in real estate is yesterday. And yeah. if it wasn't yesterday, then it's today because mm-hmm. it's historically appreciated. It may not appreciate every year, but historically, if you buy and hold, then it's a good investment. Well, between you and Tammy and a few other real estate associated people that I know, I have learned through the years that real estate, I, I when I was young, I had nobody that that I really knew or associated with that had houses per se, or that tried to show me the investment opportunities of owning real estate and why I would want to do that when I was young. And now that I'm a little older, (laughs) uh, I'm trying to instill that in my daughter is that, you know, hey, you've got an opportunity, you're young, you know, real estate, no matter what else happens, real estate should be part of your plan, right? you know, and whether it's residential or commercial it doesn't really matter uh you know it it's an investment that will you know last and uh you know short of something like covid yeah <laughs> so that's that's a good point though right now commercial res, uh, real estate is suffering because so mm-hmm. many people have moved home and a lot of businesses are choosing not to renew leases a lot of businesses are choosing to downsize on office space needed and there is a lot of vacancy and so this has really brought a 180 to the commercial market. And it's important to note that if you're not financially comfortable to pay those mortgages without having rent coming in, then you could put yourself in a predicament because yep. those are not very liquid assets. So yep. just be all, careful. All goes back to what Tammy was saying of having a plan. Right, right. 
So, you know. for sure. So we know that COVID was a for sure, and there's a lot of things that are for sure, but also taxes are something that you have to count on. So how do you prepare for potential um, tax increases? Well, I always pad um, what I what I can um, put into my escrow account um, from, you know, the beginning of the, the mortgage. So what I would say is if you're a, a young person um, or a first-time home buyer um, and you're, you're trying to, you know, this is all new, new to you. Um, I remember when we bought our first home, I, what, what is an escrow account? What does mm-hmm. that thing do? You know, yeah. like, is it a is vegetable? It, no, is, I'm just kidding. It, no. <laughs> is it manna from heaven that uh-huh. just magically pays your taxes and your insurance? Nope. It's coming out of your payment. So what I would say is that, you know, um, if you're a first time home buyer new to, new to, you know, not really having been through tax increases on a home over a period of time, then you probably need to add a couple of percentage points to what your your uh, house payment is um, and and kind of set that aside and just in case you do get a get a huge tax increase and and my experience has been yeah I mean and again this goes back to geographical areas right because I mean not one one municipality is not the same as the other um, <clears throat> but it's been my experience that they don't typically double your your taxes right. you know from one year to the next it's a gradual they instead of burning you for a year they send you over a 10-year period it's like putting the frog in the cold water <laughs> and then turning up the heat yeah mm-hmm. he doesn't jump out because <laughs> it's just a warm bath yeah. yeah and by the time it's a hot fire he hadn't mm-hmm. realized it yet yeah, yeah. But, so just for a point yeah. of clarification um there is a federal law of how much a mortgage company can hold in escrow above and beyond what they anticipate needing to use for the year. And so every year you will get a escrow analysis from your mortgage company indicating how much they anticipate paying out each month, whether it's for mortgage insurance or your homeowner's insurance or your taxes. And once they analyze that, they'll send you a disclosure saying, well, this is how much we had this year. This is how much we anticipate needing next year. Mm-hmm. So here's the change to your payment. And that can either be a difference up or down. Usually doesn't go down. I have seen it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it goes you. up, <laughs> <laughs> if it does go up, which it probably will, then they'll give you the option of if you pay one lump sum, X number of dollars, then your mortgage payment will increase by X. If you don't pay that lump sum, they'll make it up in each in monthly payment. Monthly payments, yeah. And so you'll pay X plus that lump sum divided by 12. Right. So Right. What I see more on the uh, with regard to taxes, Tracy, is a um, <clears throat> couple buys a home in their 30s, right? That is happens to end up being their forever home, mm-hmm. raise their children there, and they retire in that home. One spouse passes away, um, and then that social security goes away, right? Right. Because we don't get to claim survivors. Unless you're Kenny Rogers. <laughs> then if you're Kenny Rogers, Kenny fun fact. Can oh. I can I insert a fun sure. fact? Yes. So Kenny Rogers was married um five times and he was married for more than ten years each, each time. time. So each of those five former spouses can claim based on his social security. But the bottom line is you don't get both. 
And so what we see with sometimes where taxes becomes an issue is um, now I'm retired, my spouse has passed away, and I still have a $14,000 a year tax bill. So my home's paid for, right. but I still have a very significant amount of taxes that have to get covered. And that's part of something that's happening here in San Antonio is maybe you're not having a drastic increase in what you're paying out monthly, but your taxes and your value of your house is increasing. Right. And the tax rate is set by different entities. Yep. And so when the tax rate is set by different entities, it can increase what mm-hmm. your total taxes are. And that is unfortunately pushing some people out of their homes. Yep. I have had clients that say, I can't afford the house anymore, but it's paid for. I can't afford the taxes. The taxes and insurance can yep can be a lot. Absolutely. And especially if you're in a floodplain and you're paying for flood insurance, that's something else to consider. Right. That's why parents left Florida yeah. for that exact reason. Paid off house, but but could afford, afford it? No, the insurance and the taxes were killing him because yeah. you had to have different plans for everything. Yeah, flood insurance, right. wind insurance, because if mm-hmm. not, hurricane. it's not cover. Hurricane insurance. Right. I mean, you have to have, had to have so many separate policies that it just it wasn't worth it to them anymore. Yep. Right. Well, and you'll also hear or see on TV, you know, redevelopment of of older sections of cities is always great, and you hear about you know, companies coming in and wanting to do redevelopment and everything else. But the problem is, is that the people who have lived there through all the years, you know, and has, you know, a house and they're on fixed income and they build all these beautiful condominiums across the street and they go for several hundred thousand dollars or whatever the cost would be, then the poor person back on the other side of the street, you know, their taxes go up because of what's happening in the surrounding, you know, streets and... The other thing to note is because of COVID, there is a huge deficit of income for a lot of municipalities. So whether it's hotel taxes or food and beverage taxes, Mm -hmm. they're lacking a lot of money and they can't continue to pay for things that they don't have money to fund. Right. So they're going to find ways to come up with more revenue. Yep. And so in my opinion, setting money aside and being prepared for taxes to increase, whether that's sales tax or whatever, just know that that's coming to make mm-hmm. up for the COVID deficit. Mm-hmm. I, I totally scary. agree with you. It is. Yep. Yeah, it is. That's scary. Um, was your home undervalued during the initial appraisal? And if so, would you see a drastic change in your property tax? I mean, you could, um, if it was, if it was, severely undervalued you know I, I think most appraisers are are pretty on spot I mean you you would have a lot more um, experience with that than than I would but um, you know the last thing you want especially if you're that young couple you know you got this great house you feel like you got a really good 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 deal on it you know and then oh two years later all of a sudden your taxes have gone up 30 percent and it right. was because it was undervalued during the initial appraisal so you know it's not always a a, a in, in for the long term right a great thing to have that undervalued property in the beginning well and here taxes are valued on one day a year january 1st mm. whatever the condition of your home is january 1st so 
Um, you also happen to only qualify for homestead exemption if you occupy the property starting on January 1st. So if you buy a property in September, you don't qualify for the homestead exemption for the year that you purchased. You qualify for the next year after you occupy January 1st. Gotcha. Um, so if depending on condition of your house, so for instance, I see this a lot of times when we're having new construction mm-hmm. and it's just dirt on January 1st, well, the entire year you're valued at dirt. And so when you come around to having a full house in August, you could potentially, depending on your lender, only be escrowing money in your payment for that dirt. For the dirt, yeah. So the next year when they do their escrow analysis, Mm -hmm. they can be grossly short because January 1st, they're going to say, oh, look, a house, we get to charge more. Yay. And so you need to know... You need to definitely set aside money in that situation. And it could be equivalent to a car payment. I mean, easily, you, easily. And the other thing is the, those fixer uppers. I mean, right. we, we, we remodeled and, and upgraded a home. Um, <clears throat> and the taxation went from like 400 a year to like 4,000 a year. Right. So, I mean, that can be, 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 make it be a huge difference. Yeah. You know, that's just, uh, a very interesting analysis analysis, uh, that you just gave Katie and the fact of people who are building homes, you know, the cost or the value of dirt as compared to the value of the house when it's completed. And I guess that's why they would want to see a professional realtor about building a new home, (laughs) right? That is exactly right. 100%. Because... It should be noted that I have contacts across North America, so if you need somebody who's not in San Antonio and I can't help you personally, I would love to refer you to one of my contacts. And I think that goes back to to what Tammy says, you know, about having a financial plan and that you're talking with a professional about that plan on a regular basis uh i think that's probably one of the things that she has taught me is uh the words on a regular basis <laughs> that you don't you know hire somebody or or give your money to somebody to you know invest and to guide you in your financial journey as you go along and that you never hear from them again right uh or that you are always the one reaching out to them as opposed to your financial planner reaching out to you with, you know, how are things going? What are things, especially if part of that conversation initially was, Hey, we're going to build a house. Right. (laughs) You know? So, but I I just had never really thought about the value of dirt. Right. Until, although I will tell you a little side note here, when we lived in Houston, I was amazed that there was a house on one side of me that wanted to extend a pond that they had in, in their backyard each house had about three acres. Mm-hmm. And so this one ho- household wanted to extend the pond. So they were looking for someone to come dig out the dirt to extend their pond. And there was another homeowner on the other side of me who had a low area in the back who was looking for dirt to be brought in. Hmm. I quickly learned how much money moving dirt can be. I just was absolutely astonished at the cost. And what was really interesting is the company involved was making money on both ends. Sure. 
Absolutely. He was he was making money hauling it off and making money delivering it. He's doing two different jobs in uh, two different locations. They just happen to be and very all close. he was doing <laughs> and all he was doing was hauling dirt. Right. Yeah, you know he had the right equipment and right. he had the right you know vehicles. Right, and so he could haul dirt. But I just thought it's like wow, you know, and all it is is dirt. But the fact know. of the matter is, you hired him for his expertise on not hitting your gas lines. Mm-hmm. On not hitting your power lines, yeah, and for operating that equipment safely and efficiently mm-hmm. on your property, yeah. you didn't hire him just to move dirt, yeah. So there is that. You yeah. could have went down to Home Depot and rented a bobcat and haul <laughs> yourself. You could have literally been uh, the middleman. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really. Right. Here, yeah, we'll, we'll take care of that. You know, I got a wheelbarrow. So, all right, Tam, let's talk about some mortgage options. What do you see? as good recommendations for clients in your practice? Well, first and foremost, I'd say um, any client that comes to me and is inquiring about purchasing a home, they're going to work with a realtor and they're going to work with a reputable mortgage lender because um, there are too many different types of loans out there that that they may or may not qualify for. Right. One, what I've learned is that one mortgage lender doesn't offer every loan. Correct. And so, and different loans are available in different um, geographical areas. I didn't know that until recently. Um, So, you know, I think most folks are none the wiser. And, um, you know, just to, to be able to know what all their options are. Um, makes makes sense. So, you know, 0% down, uh, down payment assistance, mm-hmm. um, the, these USDA loans. I'm like, is that a stake? Like, what, what, what is that? What is <laughs> Does that, that come with A1? That's, yeah, a, that's, a, that's <laughs> a zero down loan that is zero. for rural areas, but right. you would be surprised at what classifies as a rural area. There right. are quite a few areas very close to San Antonio city limits or within San Antonio city limits that are considered eligible for USDA. And you know, who, who knew that? Right. And so, um, anyway, the point is that there's conventional there's, and, but there's also a lot of other different types of loans. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I really want people to be careful and think long and hard before they buy one that has a balloon payment or an adjustable rate. Um, you know, we've, We've seen, where are we at right now with interest rates? Right under three. Okay. So, but but in the grant, over the last 30 years, have interest rates gone up or have they gone oh, down? Yeah, they've gone up. They Well, well over 30-year period, yeah. they've consistently this is gone a very, down. Yeah, this is yeah. a very low point in a 30-year history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ask your grandparents how much their interest rate was on their house back in the in the 80s. Or when my mom started selling houses in the early 80s, it was 18%. 18%. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that we can't go from three back to 18. Sure. Right? It's just going to depend on what economic environment that we're in and how that, that's dictated uh, over the years. If you're going to buy a house and be in a home for 20 or 30 years, those are things that you need to be thinking about. Right. And getting an adjustable rate mortgage when rates are at an all-time low doesn't, doesn't make, make a, sense. Doesn't make sense. Nor does a balloon payment. Sure. Yeah. Unless you're guaranteed that you're moving, but there's nothing in life guaranteed except for death and taxes. That's so, it, yeah. honey. Yeah, it. It's interesting. You and I, uh, Katie, were talking about that just the other day about, you know, balloon payments and, and uh, arm, you know, loans, uh, adjustable rate, you know, mortgages and um, how that 
20 years ago, that was probably, you know, part of the true conversation about buying a house. Uh, whereas today, it's just the, as you say, the economics aren't there because of the interest rates. So, you know, 18 years ago, that's how I got my first home. It was a seven year arm. And I remember right before that seventh year, interest rates dropped and I jumped on a refi and yeah. did it for 15 years. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, it's not that long ago when you think about it. Right. And that was my first home. Yeah. I mean, that that's, it was scary. That's amazing <laughs> to think that your mom was selling homes at an 18% interest rate. That's what some people pay on credit cards mm-hmm. interest, you know, I yeah. mean, it's for your entire mortgage. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I was going to mention is FHA loans. The loan maximum is set on a countywide basis. Mm. And so depending on what county you are in, you may be able to borrow more or less than some other areas. So that's another good reason to work with a professional loan officer is that they can guide you and help you realize what's the best option for you. Yep. Awesome. I, I totally agree. Well, again, uh, we have been speaking with Tammy Solomon with Upstream Investment Partners. Uh, been a lot of good information. Tammy, thank you so much you for, for you know being here or whatever. Uh, we are going to be uh, doing some more podcasts here shortly with other people uh, to continue the journey of trying to keep your house, your home, finding ways to improve it and make it better. If you want to give us a, some feedback, please feel free to do so. Our email address is the number four, your house, your home at gmail.com. Again, for your house, your home at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you. And please make sure that you are, uh, you know, letting us know uh, what you'd like to hear more of or uh, less of. So with that, you know, thank you ladies very much for being here. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. And if you want to get a hold of Tammy, you can call her direct line at 210-209-9965. Again, that's 210-209-9965. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks, Thanks, everybody. Bye.